Hello, my name is Rivi Frankel. Welcome to Torah Imecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we will be studying Sefer Zechariah, Perek Tet. Yesterday we saw some of the most beautiful prophecies of Zechariah, prophecies of hope and bracha and abundance, and giving us something to aspire to. We also saw that that was the end of the first unit in Zechariah, which is chapters 1 through 8. Chapters 1 through 6 containing the eight visions of Zechariah, chapter 7 and 8 describing for us the process in which we can attain the brachot of Zechariah, all pointing us towards the fact that our goal is to make our external and our internal balanced and mirroring each other, all in relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with God. Today we start chapter 9, which is the beginning of the second unit of chapters 9 through 14. There are a lot of differences between these two sections of the book of Zechariah. Number one is that we don't have any context in terms of history. We were told different times in the first section that this was the second year of King Darius's rule or maybe the fourth year of King Darius's rule. These prophecies of Zechariah, we don't know when they were said. Were they said at the same time as the visions? Perhaps they were said at the end of Zechariah's life, as he's reflecting on the fact that his generation will probably not be the generation of the final redemption. The prophecies in these chapters seem to be more streams of consciousness, almost a popcorn effect, if you will, jumping from one theme to another and then returning again to the same themes mentioned earlier. The language is harder, the imagery more flowery, And although we're no longer in the visions, we do see a number of parables of Mishalim used in these chapters. The Gemara in Sanhedrin suggests that Zechariah has moved on from his generation and now has an urgency of describing what is necessary for future generations to undertake in order to become the generation of the final Geulah. The themes that we will see in these chapters include Hashem's direct intervention in Geulah in redemption, that there will be stages, but Hashem's hand will be clearly there. We will see the fall of Israel's enemies, including from within, from within our own leaders. We will see images like we are familiar with from Yeshayahu, where instruments of war are turned into instruments of peace. Hashem is going to get rid of Avodazara of the wicked in conjunction with planting the positive. There will be praising of new leaders and their religiosity and the idea that all of this is miraculous and the hand of God. In the founding of the state in Israel, Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister, who himself did not identify as a religious or believing man, said that you cannot live in Israel without believing in miracles. Could it be that we are the generation that Zechariah is imagining? Ultimately, like in Zechariah's own generation is going to be up to us. So let's see what we can mine from Zechariah's words, his wisdom, and his prophecies in order to help us try to live up to Zechariah's expectations. Pasuk Aleph verse 1. Masad devar Hashem be'eretz chadracha v'damesek menuchato ki l'Hashem ayin adam v'chol shiftei Yisrael. Masa is an interesting form of Nivuah that we will come back to in a minute. So Masad Devar Hashem, you can say is a pronouncement of the Devar Hashem, but we're going to translate it a little bit differently in a minute. 
he will reside in the land of Hadrach and in the land of Damasek, Damascus. And the eye of all of humanity will be on Hashem and the tribes of Israel. As we said, we can use the word Masat to mean pronouncement. But Masat also means a burden. The Nevuot, the prophecies that are coming up, are heavy. Some of the content will be hard to hear. Some of them will deal with destruction of our enemies in very graphic details. And some of them will be painful for us as the Jewish people and the process that we need to go through in order to do tshuva and return to God, to do that repentance. And so when we see the word Masah, as we will a number of times throughout the rest of the book, we have to steal ourselves. We have to be ready for what is to come. Verses 2 through 8 go on to describe the immense wealth of the enemies of Israel. Gold and silver are like dust and mud in the streets because the people are so accustomed to having such immense wealth that it's almost meaningless. But at the end of the day, Hashem will impoverish all of these different enemies, whether it is Damascus or Tyre or Ashkelon, Gaza and Ekron, Main cities belong to the Philistines. All of these cities will be completely destroyed. So much so, says verse 8, that nobody is going to be able to come up against Alehem, referring to B'nai Yisrael. These cities and these countries and these enemies are going to be totally wiped out so that they will never again be able to raise a hand against the Jewish people. And then in verse number 9, we see a shift where it's not just about destruction, but also about rebuilding. Rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion, and shout out loud, daughters of Yerushalayim, because behold, your king is coming to you. He is victorious, triumphant, and yet he is also humble, riding on a donkey a donkey that was born through a female donkey. There are a lot of questions that we can ask about this pasuk. First of all, often when one learns about the coming of Mashiach and the end of days, we learn that if Mashiach is coming on a chamor, that that's not a positive image, that that's an image that we haven't actually earned ge'ulah, that we haven't actually earned redemption. But what Zechariah is doing is flipping that image on his, set, on his head. And he's saying, remember how we said that horses were images of war? Well, this Mashiach has come to a world that is so peaceful that we don't have horses anymore. Not only do we not have horses and we only have donkeys, but this donkey was the son of a female donkey and not anything ever connected to a horse. So he's not a mule or he's not any sort of hybrid. He is completely a donkey because we are now in a time of peace. And we see that that continues in the next verse, Pasuk Yud. I'm going to destroy the chariots. From Yerushalayim, I'm going to completely uproot and get rid of them. And the horse will not be seen in Yerushalayim. There will be no need for these instruments of war. And bows of war are going to be destroyed. And we're going to go out in peace to the nations. 
Umashlo mayim ad yam uminahar ad afse aretz. And this rule of this person who's coming on this donkey is going to extend from the yam, from the sea, to the river, and all of the corners of the land. The parshanim, the commentators, going back now to Pasuk Tet, to verse 9, discuss who this person riding on this donkey is. Many would like to suggest that this is Mashiach. Rashi says, obviously, we are talking about the end of days. The Ibn Ezra suggests that maybe this is Mashiach ben Yosef, that this is the precursor to Mashiach that will bring about unity, not just with the nations of the world, but rather with the Jewish people themselves. Because when we have a leader from Yosef, we have a leader from the children of Rachel. We will see this theme of unity amongst the people and the children of Rachel and Leah play out, especially in Pergud in tomorrow's chapter. Ibn Ezra suggests maybe this is Nehemiah. The Abarbanel says that some people suggest that maybe this is Yehuda Hamakabi, and that we're still trying to highlight that this redemption will come out sometime during the period of the second Beit HaMikdash. But whether or not this is a description by Zechariah of the times of Mashiach or something that was more recent or close to his time, it is very clear that this will be a time of peace. In Pasuk Yedalet, in verse 14, we see that Zechariah is allaying the fears of the people. Do you not think that it's possible that enemies won't come against you? Even if they do, he says, you don't need to be afraid, for Hashem will protect you. His arrows will be like lightning, and Hashem will sound the shofar, the ram's horn, in advance of any sort of storm that might come against you. And we see all of these images of slingshots and of ways that Hashem will be like the weapons that B'nai Israel themselves no longer need. And then we see in Pasuk Tetzayin, verse number 16, Voshiyam Hashem, Elohehem bayomahu kitzon amo. Hashem, their God, will save them, and on that day, his nation will be like sheep. Ki avnei nezer mitnosesot al admato. They will be like crown jewels glittering in his earth. Ki matovu umayafyo dagan bachurim vetirosh yinove betulot. How lovely, how beautiful they shall be, producing young men like new grain, young women like new wine. It's as if Hashem is promising to create almost a bubble for the Jewish people at this time where they don't need to worry about anything except working their ground, about being people of peace, about working towards creating the world that this messenger riding on this donkey is ushering in. Tomorrow we will see Zechariah's recommendations for how to deal with this plenty and with this time of peace and prosperity. Thank you for studying together. Le'ilu'i nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka, but Alexander Sender.